Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about the best things about summer, and you might get really hungry. It's kind of patient. It's a patience game. You know, it's fire, it's smoke, it's seasoning, and it's time. That's all it is. It's a good excuse to throw a big party and, and hang out and meet chicks and, and all the good stuff that goes with it. I didn't think anybody would ever want to see it, honestly. I mean, I had no idea. And so we started a, a How to Barbecue Right, and, and we only come up with that name because, um, you know, there, there really isn't any wrong way to do barbecue. You got a double door. You hold the door for the first person. That person goes in. They hold the second door for you. That, that's, that's a universal understanding. No. And if somebody is violating that, then they shouldn't be allowed in public places. How many times do you almost die at a pool party? At least three times. Yeah. I can, I can count – Three to four times that I've almost died at a pool party. And that's how you know it was a good pool party. I can pick a watermelon like you wouldn't believe. It's really my only redeeming quality when you get down to it. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. This is going to be our special summer episode. So we're going to be talking about fireworks and pool parties and just all the things that make summer great. Our first guest, though, is world champion barbecuer Malcolm Reed. He has some amazing secrets about not just about how to make good barbecue, but also how to take something that you're really passionate about and turn it into something that's much more than a hobby. How did you get into barbecue? What was it about it that really got you into it? We started out um, in our hometown, South Haven, Mississippi. There's a little contest that's been going on, wow, since I guess 1978 or something like that, called South Haven Spring Fest. And it's kind of a tune-up contest for Memphis in May, which is the big, you know, in our area, it's one of the big four, you know, pork, uh, the biggest pork cooking contest. And we been, grew up going to that festival, just growing up kids around barbecue. Well, we got old enough as we got, you know, into high school and starting out in college, we kind of took over the team and, and we just started from there. It was a, it was a good excuse to throw a big party and, and hang out and meet chicks and, and all the good stuff that goes with it. And yeah. so that's what got me into it. The barbecue wasn't really the focus. It wasn't until we started winning a little bit that we really got the bug for cooking better barbecue. I mean, how did you get to the recipe that you ultimately like? Like what, what was the process of you getting there? 
Well, it was trial and error. Coming from competition, we were just always trying to beat the next guy. So we live in the little county we live in, DeSoto County. There's probably world, more world champion barbecuers than anywhere else, you know, from right here. And so we were all beating up on each other. So if you didn't want to get laughed at, you had to learn how to cook it better. And so that's what kind of forced us to, to you know, hone our recipes, hone our skills, and, and learn how to beat those guys or at least hang with them. When you're looking to go into a barbecue competition – what goes into that? I mean, like how many hours would you prepare? How many recipes did you try? Like what, what's the process there? It, it's a really involved process. I mean, anybody can sign up and cook a barbecue contest, but to be successful at it, you have to put in all the hard work ahead of time. And that is practicing, uh, getting it up, getting your timeline down at home, you know, getting your supply list at home where you're bringing what you need, not taking too much excess knowing how to, you know, cook the food properly, knowing how to present it to the judges. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, to be successful at it, you would have to put in hours and hours and hours. Now, there is kind of fast tracks now because there's so many good barbecue classes out there that if someone's interested in competitive barbecue, they can sign up for a class, and it's going to put them miles ahead of somebody that's just starting out green. Um, but, you know, it, it does. I mean, you, you can't um, – when we started, there was there was no internet like it is now. You know, there wasn't websites dedicated to it. There wasn't YouTube videos. How many competitions have you won? Oh wow, <laughs> I that, don't know that many, huh? Yeah, I mean, I would I'd say it's well over a hundred that we've actually won. Um, but you know, I don't know how many we've cooked in. We've been doing this since '01, and there's been years where we would cook, you know, twenty five, thirty contests a year. So we've cooked the, we've cooked our fair share of them. Do you use the same recipe in each one, or? Um, there, you know, we we try to stick. I always preach small changes when you're doing when you found something that works and you kind of think you've got it figured out. You don't want to you don't want to go changing it drastically. But just being a barbecue guy, man, we're always tuning and trying to trying to find that next greatest, you know, rib bone or whatever it is. It's like you know, once once you've had a taste of what it's like to win, you're always chasing. It. I mean, I would imagine with your. I believe the word is palate. Can't you, couldn't a competitor just essentially taste your food and figure out what you've been doing to it? Well, I don't, I don't know about that. They're so, everything's so close. And that what, that's what makes the judging process hard because, I mean, you know, we could, your tongue can only taste so many flavors. And when you cook barbecue, you can only get so many notes on it. And we're just trying to do variations of that to make ours better than the next guy. Well, judging that, when everything's good, it's not like you're having a lot of bad barbecue. It's all top-notch if, if people are, you know, most of the time it's top-notch in the competitive game. So um, it, it's very hard to distinguish, you know, first place from last place most of the time. When you go into a competition, like, what are you looking for? Are you – what's kind of the, the thing that you're going to adjust the most? Do you – the cooking time, the spices – the meat itself, like what are you looking at in regards to that? Well, it, it kind of depends on what kind of contest you're cooking. Most of the time you're judged on appearance, on the, the flavor, the taste of the product, and then you're judged on the tenderness or the doneness of it. Now, some of them throw an overall in there, but most of the time it's those three main things, and each one of them is weighted different. The appearance is the least weighted, so you know we, we, we want our barbecue to look good. We want the judges to see it and go, wow. We want to eat that, but then the main thing that we focus on is the tenderness, actually nailing that it's done properly, that that, that rib is going to you know, bite right off the bone, that that brisket's going to 
pull apart. It's going to hang over your finger and not fall apart, but then it's going to pull apart perfectly with almost no effort. And it's that bite through chicken skin, that perfect bite of chicken. So that's what we're really concentrating on. Uh, to me, flavors are probably suggest you know a little suggestive to you. I mean, you, you know, everybody might have their own you know nuances of what they like when it comes to flavor, but the appearance of it. That's one thing. Does it look good? And then is it cooked perfectly? Is that tenderness there? So those are two things that we try to nail. And then, you know, the flavor part's kind of up to the judge. If we get judges that like our blend, our blend of spicy and sweet with a little savoriness, then we're doing good. Now, are these kind of – are they more friendly competitions or are they competition competitions where people are really in there to win and win money? Oh, man, I don't, I don't cook them for free. <laughs> we're trying to win if we're there. Now, I mean, of course, there's a big camaraderie and barbecues family. We're there to have a good time. But when you're spending thousands of dollars to play on a weekend and then you've got thousands of dollars on the line, to, you know, that you're trying to actually recoup some of the money you spent, you know, it's serious. So it's definitely a serious game. Some of the big competitions, like what kind of prize money are we talking about? Um, well, if Memphis and May, for example, you walk away with thirty-two grand. Jeez. The most I've ever won, one lick, was $12,000. That's the, but I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've got a couple big checks out in the garage or at the office where I've hit eight and six and four, but on average, they're about, on average, if you win grand champion, you're probably going to walk away close to 2,500 bucks. Wow. That's just the average Saturday. Wow. I mean, can people make a living just doing competitions? Very few people do. <laughs> There's a few out there. I'm not one of them. <laughs> Random question. What do you do with those? Can you, you can't cash those big checks, can you? <laughs> Just, no, they're just, you put them on the wall or remind you how much of a fool you are, I guess. Chase them. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I guess. People come over like, wow, you want all that money. I was like, yeah, but you didn't see what I spent to win that money. <laughs> wow. I mean, how much will you spend on an average competition? Um, I would say an average contest is going to cost you about a grand. That's between, you know, all the, for buying your meat supplies to the gas money and if it's very far from home, you have, might have to get a hotel room, but that's a, that's just a good uh, good budget for an ordinary contest. Now, for uh, one of the big ones like Memphis and May, our budget's like ten grand. So wow. it just depends depends on uh, it depends on the contest, the location, and what's on the line. Do a lot of people? I mean, are they doing it for like grill sponsors or spice sponsors, or are they doing it to kind of promote a restaurant? Oh, I, I would say the average person's doing it just to say they cook better barbecue than the next guy. Now, there are a few people out there that have sponsorships that are, you know, lined up with these big meat producers or, or sauce companies or whatever, charcoal companies, grill manufacturers. But, but um, you know, it, it, it got to be the point to where it's somewhat like NASCAR where you can see these sponsorships coming in. But the average person that's doing it doesn't have any sponsors. I mean, there's only – now, there's only a few at the top that are really bringing in big bucks from it. So, when did you launch uh, How to Barbecue Right? When did you get? When did you start that? I met my wife back. I guess it was in 2004, which was early in early in our barbecue career. And she had the idea. She was working for um, an internet company at the time that were doing newsletters and stuff like that. And she was building websites, and she thought we needed a website for our barbecue team just to show our pictures and you know a place for us to websites were new you know everybody had to get a website 
And so they, they got to do it newsletters, and she told me that, you know, we ought to start a barbecue newsletter because she always hears me talking to people about barbecue, you know, whether it's out at the store or around town or on the phone. And she said, you ought to put some of this information down or send it out to people. And I was, I didn't think anybody would ever want to see it, honestly. I mean, I had no idea. And so we started a, a How to Barbecue Right, and, and we only come up with that name uh, because, you know, there, there really isn't any wrong way to do barbecue. I thought it was a catchy name, so we started a newsletter, and, and um, along came YouTube, and she said, you know, we could put some of these, we could shoot some videos and put some of this stuff out, and man, it's just morphed into this whole big business that we have going on now. I took a look at it. I mean, I think you guys were up to around 650,000 subscribers. Is that surprising to you, or did you think that... It's, it, you know, it's really, unbel- it's really unfathomable. I mean, we've... We've got 650 there on YouTube, and then we've got over 100,000 on Facebook and 75,000 on Instagram. And it's just, man, it's, it's crazy how this thing has grown. We've started our own podcast, and then we have an app that we manage now with, you know, a couple different websites and a whole store. So it's, uh, it, my wife wears a lot of hats, and I just try to hang on and, I get to have fun because I'm doing the cooking and she's doing a lot of the hard work. <laughs> you just get to eat and cook, man. That's a good, that's a good gig. <laughs> some people would say I got it made. I don't know if you ask me sometimes. I'm trying to, you know, I'm going gray and pulling my hair, losing my hairs. <laughs> when you, a lot, um, comes, a lot of stress comes with all this barbecue smoke, I promise you. But you know, when you start out, like that what advice would you give to somebody starting out on youtube or has a passion that they want to kind of grow in that area the big thing that we learned is just be consistent you can't stop you can't look at the negative comments and you can't you know just do a few videos and and shut it down you've got to i mean we didn't start over this didn't happen overnight i mean we've done a video we've tried to get to where we do a video a week um you know as, as many as we can you know all year long, and this has been going on, I guess, for 10 years. So, I mean, you know, the first ones, nobody, you can go back and watch some of my early stuff. It's hard, it's hard for me to look at. I mean, you can just see the progression because we're still, you know, we don't have any background in video, or I definitely didn't have anything with teaching, or, or, I mean, all I knew how to do is cook barbecue. And, and I guess that's why people relate to it because I'm being, I'm trying to be myself, just like, you know, talking to me out at a bar or hanging out at a barbecue contest or whether it's in front of the camera. This is how this is how I know how to do it. And do you have any formal kind of cooking training? Um, <laughs> not other than working in a few restaurants coming up, you know, during high school. That's about it. But you know, we're from the South, and, and our families, both of our families, are you know centric around the kitchen. Our grandmothers cooked, our mothers cooked, our fathers cooked, and that's just the way it is. It's a way of life for us. And so, barbecue, you know, to some people it might seem like something you know, strange or special or something different. But for us, that's just how it is, man. And, and that's for a lot of people down here where we live in Mississippi. I mean, it's just a way of life. I mean, when you talk about how to barbecue right, what is the most common mistake that you see people make? I would say rushing things because, um, you know, barbecue is kind of patient. It's a patience game. You know, it's fire, it's smoke, it's seasoning, and it's time. That's all it is. And once you can figure out how to maintain a fire, how to control whatever kind of grill it is you're cooking on, I don't care if you've got a pit made in the ground or, you know, you've got the fanciest barbecue rig there is, you've got to learn how to manage that fire. And once you can do that and hold those temperatures steady, the flavor is all subjective. So you can put whatever you want on it and then cook it till it's done. And 
the, some of the best advice is besides having, you know, something to cook on a grill or a smoker, you need a good thermometer that you can check internal temperatures with. And once you get that down, the fire management and knowing what temperatures the meats, the whatever meat is, you're done, is done, you've got it made. And the rest of it's just all improving on your flavors. Are you generally then cooking on charcoal or like why is the fire hard, the fire temperature hard to, to maintain? Well, it, you know, it just depends on the type of grill. I like to cook on them all. Some of them are harder. Some of, you know, some of them are set and forget, like these pellet grills that I have to cook on. I just go out there and flip a switch and turn it on 350 or 250, whatever, you know, just like your oven inside, and I can walk away, and I know it's going to be there as long as I keep the fuel in it. Then I've got smokers that I actually have to feed the fire and adjust the dampers and put a stick of wood on it every 45 minutes. So <clears throat> it's just about learning whatever type pitch you have. I mean, it could just be as simple as a Weber charcoal grill that you have to you know, cook on one side, set a little twos on fire, and add coals as it goes. Uh, there's, there's all, you can cook on just about anything. As long as you learn how to manage the fire, the airflow through it, and add some smoke. This is kind of, we're doing a kind of a summer-themed episode. In terms of like summer barbecue, what do you like the most? I would say it's going to probably have to be ribs. You know, in the summertime, that's what I think of, ribs or grilled chicken. Um, actually, I've got a, a recipe Rochelle's working on now. It's for Fourth of July coming out, uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow or Friday, about cooking them. just the perfect barbecue chicken, just old school, nothing fancy, just cooking barbecue chicken. And make it a chicken plate. So that, that says summertime to me. Um, you can't go wrong with steaks and burgers, but I'm not mad at anything that comes off a grill, man. <laughs> when, I mean, <laughs> I started laughing and I blanked on the question that I was going to ask you, ask you again. I mean, when, when you cook a lot of these different recipes, are they general, would people be, are they generally pretty simple or are they complex, kind of lots of spices? you know, turn the heat down at this second and turn it back up at this second? Or are they usually pretty, would people be surprised at the simplicity of them? I try to, I try to really, really try to keep it simple to me. It's not complex. And as far as the seasonings and, and all that stuff goes, I'd like to leave that up to the cook. You know, everything I do, I, I, you'll never see me preaching, oh, you got to have this particular rub or this particular sauce. Um, I believe that you could take any of the recipes that I do and make them your own by using your favorite, your favorite ingredients or your favorite, you know, marinades or whatever you want. But it's more about the technique, uh, knowing when to put the seasonings on, knowing, you know, how to get the grill ready, how long to cook it, when to take it off and how to, you know, how to finish it. That's what it's all about to me. And all that's fairly simple. It's not rocket science, but, um, you know, and I think that's why it works out because people can take the recipes that I put out there and they can duplicate them. And people have had a lot of great success with it, um, even in the comp world. You know, some of the comp stuff that we've started out with, people are doing really well with it. And it just so happens that I, you know, I use a lot of my seasonings because they're good. Um, you know, there's, there's stuff that I've worked years on trying to develop, and I know that I know that the flavors work with the meat that I that I use them on. So, um, but I, I guess it, they're they're pretty simple stuff. What city has the best barbecue? Memphis. I can't. That's where I grew up, man. If I had, you want me to pick the second best? Yeah, give me your top three, I guess, because I feel like Memphis is kind of the hometown thing for you, right? Yeah. So I'm going. I'm going to go Memphis, and then I'm going to go. This one's tough, and they're both tied for second. It's going to be Austin and uh, Lockhart. So that's 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 kind of where my flavors lie now. What's the deal with like Carolina barbecue? Were they using vinegar? I've had that before, and I just me personally, this is my personal opinion. I thought it was just disgusting. 
they that's kind of the traditional Carolina style. They use cider vinegar and they use salt. They use cayenne pepper, and you might you might catch some of them, um, you know, adding a little bit of other stuff to it. But that's traditionally what they use, and it's traditionally whole hog barbecue. So they cook these hogs over pits, and they, you know they start them out, skin up, and then they cook them a few hours, and they flip them over, and they finish them off. Then they quarter them out, and they chop it all up, and they you know mop it in this vinegar sauce. And, serve it with a slaw and, you know, a few other sides, and that's barbecue to them. And, you know, I, I'm not going to knock it. That's uh, There's a lot of good barbecue over there, but there's, I mean, it's like anything. There's bad barbecue out there, too, in different places. What city do you think that's known for barbecue, in your opinion, has the worst barbecue? Oh, wow. And worst, I think, is a relative term. This is like the, the least you know, of the I best, so to speak. I, that's a hard question. I really don't have an answer because I've had great barbecue in Kansas City. I've had, I've never, I've honestly never, I haven't been to that many Carolina places. So I would have to rank it last just because I don't, I don't have, I don't have that experience with it. I know the style. And, um, to me, it's just plain old fashioned barbecue. That's, it's, it's nothing fancy. But then you get down to Charleston and they're killing it right now with all this other style. They're doing brisket over there, which, which was unheard of 20 years ago. So it, I, I think barbecue's kind of changed. You know, it started out, and everybody's got these different regions and different ways it's done. But um, as just in the past few years, people are branching it out. I don't know whether it's from TV or from competition barbecue blending over to it, but you're seeing the style to where everybody's doing this mix of barbecue where there's some Carolina style, there's some Kansas City style, there's some Memphis style, and there's definitely some Texas style out there now. That's what's really leading the charge. So, I mean, it's like there's good barbecue everywhere. Best barbecue? Even in New York. <laughs> New York. I'm, whenever I hear somebody say that, like New York, though, I always remember that salsa commercial, the New York City salsa commercial. <laughs> Face piccani sauce. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the best barbecue restaurant you've ever eaten at? Oh, man. The best I've ever I'm only going to say this just because it's the first one that comes to my mind when I think of barbecue. It's Jack's Creek, and it's an old West Tennessee barbecue joint um, up near like, Henderson, Tennessee, outside between Henderson and Lexington. And that's my first recollection of barbecue. I remember my dad and his and my papa going over, and they bought barbecue by the pound, and it was cooked. It was these hogs that they cooked, and you could go pick out the parts you wanted and they would put it up it was a takeout joint and you would get like an eight pack of buns with it and a little pint of coleslaw and a pint of beans and it was just simple barbecue and that that to me when, when i when i go to taste pork barbecue somewhere i've always compared it to jack's for you what is your favorite meat to cook with favorite meat to cook it's gonna have to be pork uh, my favorite thing to cook is whole hogs. I don't get to do it a lot, and it's 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 more because it's there's so much fun goes into it. I mean, it's a 26 hour process. Usually takes several guys to do it. So you know, we 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 all prep the hog, get it on, and we take shifts, and we drink a lot of beer, and we have a good time, and it's more social than anything. And then when you're cooking a whole hog, it makes so much barbecue that you have to feed. You're feeding a lot of people, so it's always you know the next day, even though you're tired and you've been cooking all night. You get all these people come over to have a big pig picking, and man, that's to me, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, do you do it on? Do people still do it in the ground? 
Um, some people do. Uh, I don't. I mean, we, I've got a couple. I've got two uh, whole hog cookers. Um, you know, but uh, there are people that you know build the brick pits and put you know actually burn the wood down into coals in a burn barrel, shovel it under the hog, and keep tin over the top of it to keep all the heat in. Uh, that's I've done it a couple times, and it's a lot of work. How do you feel about people who eat it well done? Oh man, eating like eating steak well done, or any kind of any <laughs> kind of good meat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only th- when you say well done, I'm always going to think of steak, whether it's fillet or ribeye or strip, whatever cuts you like. I, I think you might as well be eating ground beef or brisket or something really good that's meant to be cooked a long time. It needs to be breaking down. I mean, if you think about it, all the all the barbecue we eat is well done because it's lesser cuts of meat. It's cuts of meat that have to be cooked uh, way past uh, what people would consider well done. Because that's what it takes to break it down to make it tender. When barbecue started out, it was it was you know it was it was people taking you know the stuff that was the trash meat that people didn't want, and they figured out ways to cook it to make it to where it's delicious. And that's what it's that's what it's turned into. When you go for like a competition or just to have some good food at home, how much like how do you spot a good cut of meat? Like what are you looking for? Um, well, I'm usually looking for marbling because fat is flavor. And I'm not, not talking about just excess fat on the inside. It's intermuscular marbling, where you can see these little white flakes throughout the protein. That's what you want, no matter if it's beef or pork. Um, I always look for freshness of the package, if it looks like it's been sealed up good. If there's a lot of liquid in there. You know, a lot of people say, oh, that, you know, the bag's full of blood. Well, that's not blood. That's just the protein fluid that's leaked out. And, yeah, it does have a red color, It's not, but it's not like blood from the animal. But you don't want that in there. That means you're losing a lot of flavor. You're losing a lot of moisture. And most of the times, it means that that piece of meat's been froze and then thawed. And, and the whole protein structure of it's been destroyed. Those ice crystals, as it freezes, breaks it. And that's what causes all that fluid to leak out. causes dry product in the end. So, I, you know, I look for good packaging. It's got good air, you know, airtight. Look for marbling where you can see the meat and freshness. That's the main thing. Do you kind of keep your recipes, the, the ones you like the most, I mean, do you write them down somewhere? Do you keep them in your head? Like, have you ever heard of people going to great lengths to protect them or anything like that? I pretty much put all mine out there on the internet, <laughs> and I keep my app handy all the time. I go back to it. I mean, I go back to it all the time for stuff. If I'm cooking, you know, mixing up sauces or, or you know, using a dry rub that, I, that I've thrown a recipe out on or something like that, I don't really have a a Rolodex anymore or anything written down on notebook paper. Uh, there has been, of course, I've got a two or three old computers that are just filled with files of stuff that I say I'm saving, but whoever goes back and looks at those, you know, I need to pull them off and archive them. But what is your favorite recipe? My favorite recipe? Wow. It might be my wife's broccoli salad. <laughs> and it's not barbecue. That is not what I expected. <laughs> If you've ever had it, it's it's awesome broccoli salad. There's people that don't eat broccoli that love it. What do you? What does she put into the broccoli salad that makes it so good? <laughs> Bacon and sugar and mayonnaise. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. You put a pound of bacon. <laughs> A pound of bacon and I think a cup of golden raisins, a cup of mayonnaise, and a half a cup of sugar. You can make just about anything taste good. Just in case I didn't kind of cover it enough before, but I mean, what, what's your general cooking philosophy? Um, well, general, I would just say, man, enjoy yourself for one. Uh, don't get in a rush, and you know, 
for me, it's about being outside, knowing that I'm cooking something that I'm going to share with someone that that they're going to love, and you know, it just it shows the time you put into it, the effort you put into it, and have fun with it. That's the main thing. When we're doing barbecue, it's about good times. It's about family and friendship, and and you know, coming together. You know, usually it's very communal, and and it's it's fun, man. Have have fun with it. That's about that's all I got, man. What what do you got coming up? Um, well, vacation. That's the main thing on my mind. <laughs> but uh, after that, we've got a state contest coming up in Glasgow, Kentucky. We're going to be traveling to here in about two weeks. Then I will be uh, in right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. There's a little town in Illinois, and forgive me for not knowing the name. So I've never been there. But they're having a big barbecue contest, and I'm going up to kind of help them MC it. Um, you know, just hang out with the guys, have a good time. I'm not competing against that one. But that's the next thing on my my horizon, and that'll take us into August. So. How how often is the podcast coming out now? Every week. We're going to, we try to do it every week. I'll have one on Friday, the audio version, and then we release the video footage of it um, the following week, usually Monday or Tuesday. I want to thank Malcolm so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He has a really cool YouTube channel where he shows you how to make all of these different recipes. We have linked to that YouTube channel in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And he's supposed to be unveiling a new segment this episode, but he's already nervous about it. So let's see how this is going to go. On time as always, there he is. How many feet away... Does somebody have to be before you don't hold the door for them? Because I, I had that's a good one. I know I had an instance this week where I felt somebody somebody didn't hold the door for me, and I thought I was within range, and I I was a little bit upset about it, and I'm still kind of mad at that person. So I'll answer that in one second, but it makes me think of something I don't want to lose, and it's a, a follow up question, which is how do you feel about having to hold the door twice for the same person? Like you go through one set of doors and there's another set. That's not how that works. That's absolutely not how that works. You hold if you got a double door, you hold the door for the first person. That person goes in, they hold the second door for you. That that's that's a universal understanding. No. And if somebody is violating that, then they shouldn't be allowed in public places. I mean, I've had lots of instances where I'm first one in and I first one in through the second door. Well, how is that even possible? Did you cram past well, them? <laughs> I use my my blazing quick speed to to get in front of them. No, you know, you hold the door, and then as you're walking through, you know, they follow you, and then you open it again or hold it again. That's wait a minute, but that, what are you doing? Like, are you quick stepping really fast to get ahead of them? Is there an, an abnormally large distance between the two doors? I don't see how that should be possible going into your basic building. I mean, it's like it's like you hold the door. And then there's what five or six steps to the next door. Yeah, I, I understand. I, mean, I understand how it physically works. I just want to know what you're physically doing to get ahead of that person after you've hold the, held the door for them, because you should be at least one to two steps behind. So how do you make up those steps in that amount? That you sprint ahead. What are you doing? I feel like this I is mean, a you. I think. I think you're the problem. Oh well, I, I could be. I mean, I maybe I am. I mean, uh, it, usually the the instances that I can remember it happening are with. You know, elderly folk or handicapped individuals, which is why it makes sense. However, 
I have been in the other instance where, you know, you hold the door open and then the person almost waits for you and then you go in front of them and then you hold it again. Okay. I have had that happen. Okay, well, the second example is ridiculous and that person is clearly in the wrong. In the first example, I don't understand why you're complaining about having to hold the door twice for an older person or a handicapped person. <laughs> don't turn this around. All I was doing was asking you a follow-up question. But your follow-up question was based on the precedent that you don't want to hold the door open for older people. Anyways, that's not what I'm saying at all. In terms of... <laughs> I don't know how you take my words and twist around and make me. But I'm not twisting it around. I'm not twisting it around. That's exactly what you said. You said that you didn't like opening the door for people twice in a row. And then as an example of it, you used a handicapped person and an older person. I never said I didn't like doing it. I just asked you your opinion on it. Okay. All right. Anyways, I, I believe that the proper distance would probably be, if it's just one door, probably less than six steps. Okay, I was going to say 20 feet. If they're 20 feet away, that's probably about six steps. You don't have to hold it. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I actually think that that, uh, you know, holding the door nowadays, some people get upset by it. Like, they, they give you a scoff, like, why are you holding the door open for me? Like, I can do it. Okay, this is one of those examples. I feel like people talk about that, but have you ever... I've heard people talk about it. I've never actually had heard of someone having that happen to them. I could be over-exaggerating, but I've definitely had it where I've, I've held the door for people, and I don't get anything. Maybe a slight head nod. Mm. Now, whether or not them saying nothing constitutes their gratitude, or you know that's that's them saying thank you, I don't know, but... The way I was raised, you say thank you when someone holds the door open for you. Well, the way that I was raised is sometimes you can do something nice for somebody without expecting something in return. <laughs> oh, well, that must be that that uh, that old Midwestern hospitality that I have there, young man. I don't, that's, first of all, that's Southern. That's not Midwest, what you're trying to do there. But I appreciate, I appreciate the effort. Um, did you know that the Chinese invented fireworks as a way to scare away people in the mountains who were raiding them? Uh, no, I did not. But speaking of fireworks, uh, do you partake? Do you do you go out and buy fireworks for the holiday, or do you stay far, far away? I I personally do not understand fireworks whatsoever. I don't spend any any money on fireworks, but I enjoy watching relatives or dumb friends almost blow themselves up with them. <laughs> I, I I can tell you, it sounds fun. Like. It sounds like, oh, you know, Jimmy's going to you know, blow his arm off. And then when it actually happens, you're like, oh, shit, Jim just blew his arm off. Have you ever almost really injured yourself or another person with fireworks? Uh, no. I, I, I never put myself in that position. I have. I've had one instance where I can remember it very clearly. Me and a buddy of mine, name of Wes Reynolds, who occasionally listens to this podcast, I believe. We were playing around with the, um, uh, I think they were black cats or something like black cats. And I threw one and he wasn't paying attention and kind of walked into it. And it was, ooh, it was close. It was close to losing an eye. And I was like, all right, I'm not messing with these anymore. We, uh, we have a meteorologist in town, uh, who I, I will not name publicly, but anyone who listens to the trailer on the area, We'll know who I'm talking about, but uh, he blew out his eye with a firework, and 
I wasn't even there. Like, I just work in the same TV market. And I was like, yep, that, that's enough for me never to ever, you know, ever try it. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm not a fan of fireworks necessarily. But did you know that different colors of fireworks are actually produced by different minerals in the fireworks? Copper produces blue, sodium yellow, and barium produces the green color. I, I, I knew that copper and magnesium, I don't even know what barium is. Oh, I thought you were going to try to say that you knew what copper and magnesium caused the, the colors. I, I, I'm glad that you can acknowledge that you at least know what they are. I thought you were going to go in another direction. I was going to have to call BS on you. <laughs> Listen, this is our one-year anniversary. Like, See, but it's not. It's not. Our well, one-year anniversary is July 10th. This airs on July 3rd. So even though it's our 52nd episode, it's not – our one-year anniversary. I don't understand how that works, time and space, I would imagine, but it's not, technically. Do we have a time traveler as our guest this week? We do not. Um, You can only travel forward in time. If you listen to the podcast that we did with the Harvard astrophysicist, he talks a lot about time travel. Obviously, you did not listen. (laughs) That was what, episode 35? I believe it was two episodes ago, but that's okay. You know how many beers ago that was for me? Seven. Times that by probably at least five, but it's oh, fine. Can, can you tell me what the answer to that is right now? Seven times five? Yeah. Thirty-five. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's the, the fives are easy. Like if okay, how about seven times seven times uh, nine? Fifty-six. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. Okay, you get one simple chance to stump me. See if you can do it. Single digit numbers only. Uh, nine times eight. Seventy two. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's hear your new segment. Let's hear it. So the title you don't have you don't have music. No, I don't have music. That's Im- your job. Improvise me some intro music right now. And then like it'll be me like with sunglasses as I'm pulling them down, and then on the screen will flash. We have to give it a quick second, and then it would go, what would you pick? And now I'm going to throw out three quick things to you, and without some witty comeback, you have to answer them. Okay. Right, you ready? Fine. And these will be – we plan on posting these on our social media, so our faithful listeners – You're stepping it up. You're stepping it up. can chime in as well. Okay. So the first one is – would you rather get punched by Mike Tyson or Butterbean? Oh, Tyson. That's easy. I think Butterbean uh, might actually do more damage, but you, Tyson's the better story. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Tyson as well. I have then, would you rather get eaten by a shark alive or buried alive? Oh, eaten by a shark alive. And then uh, third one's pretty simple, but in honor of the 4th of July holiday, I put down, uh, would you rather eat smoked meat or grilled meat on the holiday? Smoked meat. I'm a big fan of smoking meat. I mean, I really love smoking meat. Any chance I get a, uh, any chance that I get to really get a big, thick piece of smoked meat in my mouth, that's what I'm going to go ahead and do. How, how how long do you usually like the meat to, to to smoke before you stick it in your well, mouth? You know, it depends how long it's been since I've really smoked some good meat. If it's been a while since I've smoked good meat. Like, I'm going to get after that pretty quick. I mean, I'm going to get deep into that piece of meat, and I'm going to smoke that good. But if it's, you know, if I've been eating a lot of smoked meat, then I'm going to take my time. You know, I'm going to really enjoy it, maybe try some new stuff. 
Oh, he never gets old. It really does it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I really that's... tried to keep it together, and then you kept going. And I just Listen, couldn't. this brings up one question that I wanted to ask that you talk, that you and I talked about. If we somehow lived together, would it be awkward if you and I slept in the same bed and our wives slept in a different bed? I mean, I wouldn't find it awkward. Now, I have to ask like a sub-question to that. Is like, would we be sleeping, you know, like – face-to-face or would we go head-to-toe well i mean i think we would start off face-to-face because we'd have a conversation about something and then i think eventually we would turn and split our separate ways but i feel like i feel like if you and i lived together we would probably sleep in the same bed at least once or twice a week can i bring my smoked meat into the bed yeah you can bring as much smoked meat as you want into that bed (laughs) i mean honestly my wife would probably appreciate the break Oh, I think my wife would too. She get better sleep. Um, <laughs> look, I'm going to commend you. I, I like I like the way that you approach the segment. I thought that you that the worry the worry that I had was that you tend to take a while to tell a story. Like you, you kind of like, all right, I get it, just get to it. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. that you you kept it moving. I, I liked it. Rap, rapid fire, and like I said, I, I I don't know what days specifically yet these will be posted, but uh, you know they'll be every other day. Um, we're just wrapping up the uh, the fictional cat versus dog tournament this week, which the the poll will go up. I know this comes out on Wednesday, but we're going to do it on the Monday. You'll have until the weekend to vote. But uh, kind of surprising, at least on the feline side, that it's Garfield representing the cats and then uh, Scooby-Doo. So it's going to be Garfield versus Scooby-Doo for the uh, all-time top fictional animal uh, poll. Okay. And, and thank you. Thank you. We've almost had uh, – we've had over 1,000 votes Wow. Polls, by the way, which is, you know, I'm sure that's nothing compared to others, but, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think we did a pretty good job getting over five. Um, are you ready to talk about our top five for this, for this episode? Hold on. I have one more segment. Oh, shit. Okay. I thought it was going, so look, it's, here's the problem. I'm going to ask you this right now. I feel like this next segment, there's probably a 90% chance it can only bring you down. Uh, no, it's, it's, I don't think so. It's pretty quick. Okay. It's right. just, it's, just, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm taking the initiative on. I mean, you have talked about it, so oh. let, let's just see how it goes. Here. Okay. All right. All right. I don't have, I don't have a snappy name yet for it, but, uh. Oh, new intro get, music. Let's hear the new intro music. Let's hear it. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can, uh, da, 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 da. Okay, a little bit, a little bit the same as the first one, but I see that you tried to. I saw that you tr- you tried to change it up, then you kind of ran out of what to do, and then you kind of went back to the old thing, but slightly twisted it. But that's that's all right. Keep going. Anyways, uh, so uh, social media shoutouts. Uh, obviously, this show is driven a lot by the people that listen to us, and apparently, there's quite a few, which is nice. Thanks, mom. At least for now. Um. I want to point out that I, I kicked your butt again in the poll for most annoying bumper stickers, which you can check out on our Profoundly Pointless Facebook page. Can we also mention that you lied about to the people and said that you didn't understand why anyone would have a bumper sticker and then neglected to mention that you yourself have a bumper sticker as a Patriots fan living in Michigan? Uh, I don't have that bumper sticker. That's, that, is, uh, that is incorrect, sir. Um, but speaking of some good ideas that were posted uh, of things that we didn't have, uh, Renee suggested the R.I.P. bumper stickers. 
which is kind of morbid, but I get it because there's so many of them. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, the thing is, like, how long do you leave it on there? I mean, <laughs> like, are you leaving? That's that's what I don't understand about the R.I.P. thing. It's like, all right, you're going to put the R.I.P. bumper sticker on the back of your car. At what point are you going to take it off? Like, what's the appropriate amount of time passes before you can take the R.I.P. bumper sticker off? I mean, I I would say anything over a year. Uh, you know, like, once you hit the year mark, you know, then then maybe it's time to start thinking See, but to take it down. That's what I don't understand about it. I don't understand about the idea of putting the RIP bumper sticker on because if you're saying that you care so much, then at some time you at some point you also have to say, "Okay, I don't care about this anymore." Like, look, I really mix you, Timmy, I'm putting this RIP sticker on for you, Big Tim. Okay, Tim, you know <laughs> what? I got a new car. This doesn't match as well. Sorry, buddy, you're <laughs> off. I don't care about you anymore, Tim. Oh, Tim. Poor Tim. Poor um, Tim. Anyways, uh, so then uh, our buddy Mark said uh, Salt Life, which are good ones. Oh, yeah. forgot about those. Salt Life. Um, Sarah added the Do Your Damn Job stickers. Yeah, I guarantee that's a person not doing their job. <laughs> right? Because if you were doing your job, you wouldn't be focused on who's not doing theirs. And then, of course, uh, our, our good buddy Dante uh, even though it's not a bumper sticker, I wanted to mention it. Uh, it was the fake hanging balls from the from the hitch. Yeah, I I agree with that. That's that would have been my number one worst one is the fake hanging balls from the hitch. But it's not technically a bumper sticker. We do appreciate everybody who comments. I mean, some of the comments are 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 really good. We had some Mario Kart ones that came in. Well, a couple of people said uh, Daisy. We had a couple of Daisies, and we had a lot of Yoshi's that came in that we should have put them on. Yeah, I mean, Daisy, maybe. Uh, Yoshi, meh. Um, what do you mean? I don't know meh. about that. I, mean, I go meh to guy, Daisy. You know? Not a big Yoshi guy. Yeah, but Yoshi is way more central of a character than you could say Daisy is. Maybe yeah, not in the I, one I mean, where you I can would play agree with that. He just doesn't crack my top five, that's all. Um, okay. And then TMSQR on Instagram uh, might have had the comment of the week uh, where... I don't know if it's him or her. I assume it might be a him. Seems uh, like a him. That, that apparently my voice sounds like a mixture between Samuel L. Jackson and Barack Obama's. <laughs> I'll take it. I think, yeah, I, I would take that. That sounds like a compliment. Yeah, I would take that. That's easy. <laughs> I mean, okay. that's on our Instagram page, which uh, you can also check out, Profoundly Pointless. Uh, and yeah, man, that's... That's it. You know, two new segments are going to be quick, but uh, you want to, you know, possibly get hurt or uh, have my Barack Obama sounding voice uh, mention you, interact with us on social media. I, the only concern that I have, I mean, you're doing a lot of social media promotion. I like the initiative. Maybe a little worried you went too far, but we'll see. We'll see what people think. Um, are you ready for our top five? Let's do it. I'm... Uh, quite excited actually about our top five it's uh how excited are you like half half you half you half cocked you full cocked (laughs) i'm full cocked i got some smoked meat sitting on the table all right okay so our top five is top five things you like the most about summer here is here's my big issue with this and i feel like this is a big disclaimer for me is that i have for the last nine years lived in florida and arizona 
two places where summer is absolutely miserable. Like summer is the worst time of the year. And before that, I grew up in Kansas where you have tornadoes and almost die in the summer. So my summer experiences have not – summer is not looked at as an enjoyable time necessarily. I, You know what's funny is when now when we were somewhat discussing the top five and I said this and you agreed with it, I was like, well – I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna have because I don't know if he really knows what like enjoying the summer is. Yeah, I've never really enjoyed a summer. I mean, it's 120 degrees in Arizona. Like summer in Arizona is winter everywhere else. It's just <laughs> freaking miserable the whole time. Like people hate summer here. The only good thing about summer in Arizona is that all the snowbirds clear out and there's not as much traffic. But let's <laughs> let's let's go ahead and give this a shot. What's your number five? All right, so my number five is pretty simple, and it's uh, just grilling. Okay, I don't have an issue with that. I think actually I do have an issue with that. I think that you, I think that for a place where you can be outside, I feel like that's way too, way too low. I think that needs to be higher on your list. Okay, well, I mean, kind of the inverse of what you said. I mean, I, it's only summer in Michigan from like June until the beginning of September. That's why I don't see why it's not higher on your list. I feel like it should be higher. You can get outside. You can do stuff. Um, my number five is fruit. Summer fruit is fantastic. It's all the best fruit. It's watermelon, blueberries, strawberries. Get some pineapple that's cheap. Summer fruit you is know, easily the best. I I know a guy who says he's the best watermelon picker I, I'll ever meet. Yeah. I believe that's our second episode that I talk about how I can pick a watermelon like you wouldn't believe. It's really my only redeeming quality when you get down to it. God, we've come a long way since that first uh, episode where it was only 10 minutes, huh? Yeah, we did. I don't know if it's a good way, but we came a long way. What's your number four? Uh, another simple one is riding bikes. When's the last time you went and rode a bike? A couple weeks ago. I like I like riding bikes. I don't do it as often as I should. Where are you riding to? Uh, there's a park right by my house, a nature center to be exact. So you're just over there riding your bike through the nature center, just like looking around in the trees and stuff? <laughs> no, I was with a, a neighbor who had a bike, an extra bike, and wanted to know if I wanted just to go uh, on a quick ride with him around the trails. This was before I tore my hamstring. What kind of... Um, what kind of bike are we talking? Are we talking mountain bike? Are we talking road bike? It was, uh, it was, I think the brand was Mountain Trek. Okay, that's a knockoff of Trek bicycles. <laughs> I feel like that's probably illegal. I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. How do you not know if it's a mountain bike or a road bike? Uh, well, I mean, is a road bike a BMX bike? No, a BMX bike is a BMX bike. Okay, there's well, a BMX the bike, there's a road a bike, and there's a mountain bike. I don't know the difference between a road bike and a, and a mountain bike, I guess. Well, a, the, a road bike is like the thing that cyclists wear, the Tour de France. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not Lance Armstrong in it with one testicle. So it was a mountain bike then? Yeah, I guess so. I don't understand how you don't know these things. You don't, don't, don't have bikes on your list when you don't know what bike. What bike? You don't know anything about bikes. First, first off, you, you could ask a hundred people that are just, just – part-time bike riders what's the difference between a mountain bike and a road bike and no one's gonna know the answer i don't think anybody's gonna know the technical specifications but i think they can look at the bike and they say oh that's not a mountain bike that's a road bike and if then the 100 people you paid 13 grand 
to display Lance Armstrong's testicle in your house doesn't make you any better than anybody else. No, but I also didn't put bikes on my list of best things about summer and then know nothing about bikes. I I know that I can pedal and you turn right and it goes right. First of all, first of all, I have been on a drunken bike ride with you and it was shameful. You gave me one with a goddamn flat tire. Learn how to ride a bike. My number four is a summer song. There's always one song that's the summer that's the song of the summer. I always like those songs. <laughs> okay, well, what's the last summer song you liked? And don't say Boys of Summer. I don't even know what I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I'm I'm at the age now where I don't know who the people are anymore. I just know the songs. I mean, you're going to grow me by not not knowing the difference in bikes and you don't know a song. Yeah, there's lots of different artists. There's only so many kinds of bikes. Listen, you take everything back that you said about Miley Cyrus. She's a saint. I do like Miley Cyrus. She's tried to turn herself around. Actually, no, I don't like Miley Cyrus. I don't care about Miley Cyrus at all. Um, What's your number? The song this year by far is that Old Town Road song. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's not a good song at all, but it's just stuck in your head. It, the only part of it that's good that sticks in your head is can't nobody tell me nothing, and that's all that's all he needed to get that going. What's your number three? Uh, fishing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once once again, I I don't do it as much as I used to, but like every weekend, I used to go fishing with my father. Uh, and it, I mean it's great. It's still great when I can get out. My number three was just vacation, summer vacation in general. But don't you <laughs> see? And this is where like the difference in climates comes into play. Because I'm not mistaken, your vacations are like to like cold places, right? Yeah, we go someplace cold. We go <laughs> to like San San Francisco or Seattle or Canada. You go someplace that's cold when you live in Arizona. But still, I mean, I still think vacation is up there. Like other people would go to the beach or something like that. I've never right. understood. I've never understood the, the enjoyment of going to the beach for like an extended vacation. That sounds like you living in Florida. The beach is awful. The beach in Florida is awful. Don't go to the beach in Florida. <laughs> every, every coast in Florida is awful. Every beach is awful. Well, I mean, I'll give the Gulf Coast a little bit more credit. In case anybody wants to hear this, we can go on and on about vacation advice to Florida if somebody wants it. Otherwise, we'll just go ahead move on to number two. What's your number two? My number two is uh, pretty simple, uh, yet again. It's uh, being outside to play, like, outdoor drinking games, like, uh, you know, um, cornhole or can jam, something like that. Okay. <laughs> What's your number two? Ice cream. You are a goddamn child. You don't like ice cream in the summer. You tell me that. You're, you're not going to believe this. I, I, I'm i not the biggest fan of ice cream in general, but if I'm going to get something cold, it's probably going to be like a, uh, a smoothie or something. Okay. That's weird. What kind of ice cream are you going with? Chocolate. There is no other kind of ice cream. <laughs> I knew you were going to say ridiculous. that. ridiculous. Somebody, somebody comes at you and says, like, I don't like chocolate ice cream. I've said this before. That person needs to be investigated. If you have somebody that wants strawberry ice cream, they should be arrested. There's a 100% <laughs> chance they have committed some sort of crime in the recent past. 100%. <laughs> I 
What's your number uh, one? Let's see. My number one, very simple, but I think we take advantage of it, uh, is just sitting out on a nice day, drinking a uh, some kind of beverage, just just enjoying the day. Not anything to do, no worries. Uh, you could be on a boat if you want to be. You could be like sitting on your front porch, but just enjoying the weather. My number one is pool parties, man. Pool parties are fun, but I really think it's like who's throwing the party, and if you're with your kids or without your kids. How many times you almost die at a pool party? At least three times. Yeah, I can I can count three to four times that I've almost died at a pool party, and that's how you know it was a good pool party. Do you have a? I know we're running out of time, but I got to tell you this one story. I was at a bachelor party. And we were at the, the place we were at. We rented a house, and there was a, there was a big pool, and there was a slide, uh, a, a, probably a ten foot slide going into the pool. Nice. Well, uh, some of the more athletic folk uh, that were there decided to jump off the edge of the slide into the pool, which is probably like a ten foot drop. And uh, us bigger folk thought it'd be, you know, well if they can do it, we can do it. So yours truly is up there. <laughs> and uh, my, mind you, it's I think it's probably like eleven o'clock at night. Mm. Been drinking all day. Yeah. I, I, okay. I go to <laughs> I go to like you know jump off. My <laughs> right foot slips, but I was able to make it in. But like I'll never forget it. Uh, phew, I thought I was dying for sure. So wait a minute. This whole story that you built up, nothing happened. Yeah, I almost died, but I didn't die. Not even. Whew. I still think about it. And it's, I didn't even want to do it, but I'm like, I'll do it. Everyone else is. That's the way to go through life. Wow. What a letdown at the end. I was really expecting you to like hurt yourself or fall backwards down the ladder or like get your head stuck in the slide somehow and nothing <laughs> happened. The end of the story is nothing happened. If it makes you feel better, I wasn't wearing a shirt. Does a little bit. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. We also really like getting comments from you guys. It's it's really cool to hear all of the different things that you guys have to say, especially when it comes to the top five lists. Because there's a lot of times that you know it's just John and I doing this, and we miss stuff. And usually people have suggestions that I'm like, oh my gosh, how did we forget about that one? Coming up next episode, it's going to be our one-year anniversary. And I, I think that our goal for the next year is really to start bringing you guys into the show more. The problem is, John is going to be in charge of this. And I think that he did a really good job this episode of curating everybody's comments and getting them on the show. The thing I'm concerned about is that he's, he's good out the gate. Like he's motivated out the gate. It's going to be the consistency. But he says he's turning over a new leaf. So we're just going to see how this plays out. I would say I am cautiously optimistic. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.